Good afternoon. Friday has arrived, and this is Ozarks at Large for January 28th, 2022. This is your home for NPR for more than 36 years. KUAF, a listener-supported service of the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellams. The Arkansas Department of Health is adding another 22 fatal cases of COVID-19 to the state's total. Nearly 9,600 Arkansans have now died from the disease. The Thursday report from the ADH also includes just more than 6,000 new cases and a decline in active cases by more than 4,500. The Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's weekly survey of school districts with at least 200 or more new known infections per 10,000 residents of a school district shows nearly 80% of Arkansas school districts are at that level or above it. And for the second consecutive week, every school district in the state has at least 50 or more new known infections per 10,000 residents of the district. Nearly 24,000 Arkansans have had their outstanding medical bills paid off thanks to a coalition of nonprofits seeking to raise awareness of the negative impacts of medical debt. The $35 million debt erasure was made possible by donors including the Arkansas Community Foundation, the Hope Credit Union, and the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation. Heather Larkin, president and CEO of the Arkansas Community Foundation, says the average debt erased was $1,500. But we have to remember that almost half of our Kansans are what we call ALICE, asset limited, income constrained, and employed. ALICE families barely make their budgets balance, and debt like this, $1,500, is simply overwhelming to an Alice family. Arkansas ranks second in the nation for the number of non-elderly adults reporting past due medical debt. Sevier County in southwest Arkansas has the highest share of medical debt in collections at 31 percent. Arkansas Senator John Bozeman says he doesn't want President Biden to nominate what the senator calls a judicial activist who will legislate from the bench to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. Justice Breyer announced his plans to retire this week. Senator Bozeman, who is seeking re-election this year, says he wants a new justice who will be widely respected, well-qualified, and hold a commitment to upholding the Constitution. The Arkansas Razorback track teams host the Razorback Invitational Indoor Meet this weekend, beginning tonight. The Arkansas women, the defending national indoor champions, are ranked number one in the country. And the Arkansas women's basketball team is now 3-3 three and three in the SEC after upsetting number 12 LSU in Bud Walton Arena last night, 90-76. Another ranked opponent is next, number 4 Tennessee. That game is set for Monday night in Knoxville. This is Ozarks at Large, and joining me on the phone from his office in Fort Smith is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, happy Friday. Happy Friday. I love those are those are two great words that go great together. Happy Friday. They really are. Let's um, let's start our conversation this week by examining the um, sales tax revenue from the city of Fort Smith. The 2021 reporting year shows an uptick. Yeah, we've been talking about this through the year and it's been a double digit increase in terms of percentages 
all through the year, but um, Kyle looks like we've ended the year, the reporting year, mind you, uh, at 15.4%. Uh, and this is Fort Smith's share of the Sebastian County 1% sales tax, which was a little over $21 million, again, up 15.4% compared to 2020. Uh, and it was up over 18% compared to the budget estimate. Um, so, and, and then the Fort Smith uh, 1% street tax, and that's used for maintenance, new construction on the streets, bridges, drainage, that sort of thing, generated a little over $26 million. Of course, that was also up 15.4% and up about 17.5% um, over, the budget, uh, over the budget estimate. So it's a good problem for the city to have. Um, unfortunately, with some of their – with the consent decree, with the hundreds of millions of consent decree work – uh, two or three million over budget doesn't quite help. Also, this money really it, it, it can't be used uh, for consent decree. But uh, that the city share of that Sebastian County tax is important because it funds a lot of the general fund budget, which includes a lot of emergency services, police, fire, that type of thing, city administration. Um, and on the one percent street tax, look, it's always nice to have another two or three million for paving roads and that type of thing. So good for the city. I know the city directors are still talking about budgeting conservatively because, you know, they're not sure, even though this is five consecutive years of pretty strong sales tax growth, uh, none, of course, with the double digit like this year, but the but the directors still want to budget conservatively. You know, for example, Director LeVon Morton said, you know, um, Inflation, some other economic concerns, the Omicron variant, um, potential for economic slowdown, maybe in the back half of 2022. That you know they're they're not willing to just expect that this will continue through next year, or through I guess the remainder of this year, I should say. I guess this also is good news for at least some businesses in the area, right? If the sales tax collections are up, that means more dollars were spent at brick and mortars. Well, yeah, that, well, that's a good question. And that's, mm. you know, the Arkansas Department of Finance Administration does not uh, provide a breakout. And why they won't, and they've been hesitant, if not aggressively resistant, to calls for providing more data on where the sales tax comes from. But if you remember a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, um, this, the state and the local taxing units were able to begin collecting uh, sales tax on online sales. So, you know, we don't know how much of that comes from local. Gotcha. You know, what what percentage of that 15.4% comes from local folks, what comes from online? I, I have a feeling there's a growing part of that coming from online. If you just look at what, uh, if you look at the retail reports out there, if you look at what Walmart's reporting in terms of percentage increase in their e-commerce, um, I mean, those have just been, especially during the pandemic years, that that those e-commerce gains have been incredible. So, but yeah, if we could ever get the FNA, the state state officials, to give us a better breakdown, we, we would have a better idea where that's coming from. If you were following talkbusiness.net this week, you learned of the death of, I hope I can remember to say his name correctly, Baridi Noko Kelly, who uh, was a Fort Smith fixture uh, both as a city official and as someone who impersonated Bass Reeves. Yes, and um, th- this came as this came as a shock. I got I got to know Brady pretty well, um, 
he was the Forsman Sanitation Director for a little over 10 years. But most folks remember him because he bared such a close resemblance, not only in, in his face and how he looked, but he was tall and, and um, you know, broad-shouldered, kind of fit the, the historical narrative uh, of Bass Reeves. He was the first, or not the first, he was a uh, deputy U.S. Marshal under uh, Judge Isaac Parker, the famous hanging judge. Uh, the history is not quite clear, I don't think, on whether he was the first African-American de- U.S. Deputy Marshal under Judge Parker. Um, I think I think there was a, there was another one, uh, another African American before Bass Reeves, but um, but Bass Reeves was a legendary uh, lawman. I, you know, Art Burton, who's written about mm-hmm. him quite extensively, has talked about him uh, also being kind of the um, the I'm not sure what the word to use is, but kind of the inspiration, so to speak, for the Lone Ranger. Um, but uh, and. And so in 2000, uh, or I guess, I don't know, about 2015, 2000, well, before then, uh, around 2010, I guess, that you know, there was a push by the Bass Reeves Initiative, Bass Reeves Legacy Initiative, I should say, to, to raise funds and get this Bass Reeves statue, statue that's on Fort Smith, which is there now, the big 25-foot tall high. It's very impressive when you come across the bridge into downtown Fort Smith. But Burrito he wore the outfit. He looked like Bass Reeves. He helped raise a lot of money, raise a lot of awareness. He went to, uh, and he was great with children. He would go and read parts of, of the books. There was a book written, kind of a graphic novel written that children could understand about Bass Reeves, and he would read that. Went to, there were no telling how many, I would probably, I would safely say over a hundred different speaking engagements he went to, whether it's civic clubs or whatever. And I traveled with him um, in, uh, uh, I think it was April of 2010. Uh, we went to Little Rock, uh, traveled with Three Day, and uh, we met Morgan Freeman. You know, Freeman, Mr. Freeman's been interested, and still is, in the, in, ba- in the life and legacy of Bass Reeves. And so uh, Burita, I remember he called me and he said, I'm going to Little Rock to meet with Morgan Freeman. You want to come cover it? And it was a Saturday and <laughs> hell yeah, I want to go do that. So it was a great trip. We got to meet with him. He had a, maybe about 20 minutes uh, to, to make the pitch to Mr. Freeman. Um, and I, I think did a good job. The one thing I, I want to end with saying is that when I first got to know him, he was, you know, he's doing the Bass Reeves and I just, I kind of just thought, well, it's gimmicky, that kind of thing. But it didn't take long to be around him how much uh, he was invested in this, how much he researched and studied, and how he really focused on becoming Bass Reeves. And so uh, I give him a lot of credit for raising awareness and helping move that legacy project forward, raising money. I, I mean, it was over 300, maybe close to 400,000 that they raised in a short period of time to get that statue funded and um, get all of the, the statue base funded and that type of thing. And he is, I think, very instrumental or was very instrumental uh, in making that happen. Well, you know, and I spent an afternoon with him uh, going through the Fort Smith sanitation facilities. He gave me a tour and we did a story on it. Yeah. And he had passion for that, too, you know, trying to to think about the 21st century when it came to landfills. Yeah, that that's something I think that's a good word, passion. He 
he didn't do anything halfway. It was 110% with him. And um, I think that's what we missed the most there. Unfortunately, there was, um, I think, some dereliction of duty. There were some unfortunate decisions made during a time of leadership turmoil in the city of Fort Smith. And Burita Nokakaley, who was the first African-American, by the way, to head a city department, Fort Smith City Department, I think he was unjustly fired uh, from his position. And uh, I'm willing to say that probably a, a, a good old white boy probably wouldn't have been treated like him, even though he was well known for the Bass Reeves character. I think he was uh, not treated well by the city of Fort Smith when he was when he was uh, released from his position. Well, let's move from the history of a firing to a hiring. The Fort Smith uh, School District has hired another consultant to help with this um, Peak Innovation Center. Give me give me the news as you know it. Well, yeah, and look, I'm just I'll, I'll mention this quickly. We had known that the the city of Fort or, excuse me the Fort Smith Public School District had hired this group, Presidio, out of Fort Worth, Texas, another Texas consulting company. You know, they got rid of HPM, who was the contract, uh, excuse me, the construction program manager. So we asked the school district uh, late last year if they'd hired somebody else. Nope, they said, we've got MAHG Architecture in Fort Smith. They're handling. But we had been told that they had hired by people involved in the project that they'd hired another consultant. So we asked them again, nothing. So we finally went back. We got some documentation that showed that indeed there'd been a new uh, construction program manager hired. And we finally got this, this public school system finally admitted that they had hired somebody. It's about $11,000 contract. It's not that much. Uh, it didn't even go through the board. There are no board minutes showing board approval. Um, but it's just another, um, unfortunate kind of hide the ball, um, type thing in this, in this, um, in, in the school district's, um, effort to complete the peak center and some of the other projects in that, uh, millage, that large millage package that was approved in May, 2018. So there is another consultant that's going to, finish this out, why the, the public school system needs a consultant. Um, they say it's because they need to make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. I, I just, I don't understand. No other school district, you look at some of these other large school district projects around the state, they didn't have to hire, they didn't hire these expensive consultants. But for some reason, the Fort Smith School District does, and um, it's been, um it's been interesting, and it's it's proven uh, that the district has made it somewhat difficult to um, for journalists like us to figure out what's really going on. They've certainly been less than transparent about the process. You can read about all of the things that we've just talked about and much more every day at talkbusiness.net. Michael, the next time we talk, it's February. Well, oh, good grief. Here we go. Another zip, zip through it here. That's right. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Olga Tokarczuk, the Nobel Prize novelist, has a new book that spans countries, empires, and a thousand pages. I didn't realize how demanding the writing would be. When I finished the book, I was so physically and mentally 
exhausted that I had to go to the doctor. The Books of Jacob, Saturday and Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, tomorrow from 7 to 9 a.m. on KUAF. And you can listen to us from anywhere with the KUAF app. The 2022 UCI Cyclocross World Championships are underway today in Fayetteville. Competitors from more than 20 countries are riding, running with, and carrying their bikes over hills, through mud, and around obstacles. The World Championships are being hosted in the United States for just the second time in more than 70 years. Last night, as a winter sun faded over the Fayetteville Square, the city hosted the opening ceremonies. Students from Fayetteville schools created a parade of nation's flags, and organizers and competitors spoke. Here's just a small sample. Welcome to the world to Fayetteville. Joining us this weekend are athletes from over 20 different countries, and we welcome representatives from those countries, speakers for the evening, and representatives from the UCI, the governing body of the Cycling International. We also have the pleasure of hosting students from Fayetteville Public Schools for our Parade of Nations. Please direct your attention to the center of the aisle. Tonight is the kickoff, the prelude to three days of professional racing. But it is also the result of years of hard work from our combined experienced Fayetteville and medalist sports teams. And as you will see over the, over the course of the weekend, there's a lot of steep ups, steep downs, lots to watch, and it's gonna be spectacular racing. I learned everything, uh, everything through the U.S. Cyclocross community that gave me the skills to be successful World Cup and World Champion uh, World Championship rider, and uh, I competed in Louisville, and I can wait for all of you guys to experience Worlds back in the U.S. once again. So, um, brace yourself for the great weekend of cyclocross racing, and thank you guys for coming out. Oh yay! Ladies and gentlemen. This is out of the ceremony. I am the town crier of my city, Gerardsbergen in Flanders, Belgium. We are happy, yes, we are happy to be here in Fayetteville, Arkansas for the world. Thank you guys so much. So fun. <laughs> Sounds from last night's opening ceremonies in the Fayetteville Square for the 2022 Walmart UCI Cyclocross World Championships. The races, in several different categories, continue through Sunday at Centennial Park in Fayetteville. In the background is the group Hunter Tones doing their version of a Herbie Hancock tune, Chameleon. And this week on Shades of Jazz, I will feature an interview with one of the band leaders, Dan White, and a lot of Huntertone music. They'll be in concert in Fayetteville on February 11th. We'll also hear some new recordings from Steve Schlegel and Roberto Magris. I'm Robert Ginsburg. Join me for Shades of Jazz right here on KUAF. Shades of Jazz with Robert Ginsburg tonight at 10 on KUAF. Tomorrow morning at 11 on KUAF 3. You can listen to KUAF 3 by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3 by going to KUAF.com or by accessing the free KUAF app.
This is Ozarks at Large. In 2018, a new diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative was founded in partnership with the University of Arkansas, the Walmart Foundation, and the Walton Family Foundation. The Ideals Institute is now launching their second round of their program in March, and Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore spoke with Alicia Smith, the executive director of the Ideals Institute. Starting in just a few months, a group of around 100 nonprofits from across Northwest Arkansas will be coming together to strengthen their efforts of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Whether these organizations are just beginning to prioritize DEI efforts or they are nonprofits run by underrepresented communities, they'll all be a part of a community of action. Here's Elysia Smith, the executive director of the Ideals Institute. And so that is a group of of just networking, of bringing people together to support them in this work. This is difficult work. It is not easy. It's um, very rewarding. And it's always great to have a a colleague to reach out to. And so we will have a community of action and a conference for those who participate. What does that participation look like? It's with a program called TRUE, T-R-U, and has three different cohorts. The introductory cohort is called TRAIN. And so that's um, a cohort of people or of, of organizations who are newer to diversity, equity, and inclusion work. The idea is that people in the TRAIN cohort will leave with foundations for a plan to put in place to help grow their inclusion efforts. You know, nonprofits are so critically important in terms of how people experience Northwest Arkansas. It's really important that the individuals and the organization itself is aware of diversity, understands what they're seeing, how to best meet the needs of a diverse community, how to plan, strategize, et cetera, to create this belonging space where people really have the best experience they can have in Northwest Arkansas. People feel like they belong. The next cohort is the R in TRUE, RECHARGE. This is for organizations that may have a DEI plan in place and are starting to make preliminary steps towards their initiatives. Smith says it's important to remember this work is a journey and that a lot has changed since the first round back in 2018. With so much that has happened in terms of the pandemic and um, social unrest and all the things, it can be very easily to um, get distracted and perhaps put things on the side. Smith says recharge is an opportunity to reconvene and use the experiences from the last few years to um, think about new strategies um, and make new connections. And that is perfect, a, a perfect space for recharge. The final cohort is called Uplift, designed for a specific type of nonprofit. And those nonprofits are led by and primarily serve minoritized communities in Northwest Arkansas. One of the other major incentives for organizations in this cohort is the external help and connections that will be offered to them. They will receive funds for technical assistance from the Arkansas Community Foundation. They will gain um, valuable insight in terms of like operating in general. So not just about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but how to strengthen the organizations for the long haul. And what's really important with, uh, with this group is that they will be given some of the support other organizations completely take for granted, like networking, exposure, understanding a little bit deeper in terms of how to strengthen their board, finances, um, 
everything they could you could possibly think of in terms of like strengthening their ability to provide the services to those minoritized communities. The deadline to apply to be a member of the True Cohort is Monday, January 31st. You can go to OzarksAtLarge.com to find more details about the program. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. The city of Fayetteville is reinstating its vaccine incentive for people to become vaccinated. People who live in or work in the city are eligible to receive $100 per person for becoming vaccinated. Yesterday, we talked with Mayor Lionel Jordan by Zoom about the city's now 23 months of pandemic existence and about the vaccine incentive. One note, the mayor during our discussion says he considers a full vaccination to include a booster shot. But to be eligible for the incentive in Fayetteville, one needs just the second dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine or the single shot of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Here's our conversation with Mayor Lionel Jordan. As we always like to say, we're hanging in there. I mean, it has been, it has been, it has certainly been a challenge for us. I mean, nobody had ever seen anything like this before, but, you know, there's several things we've gone through in this city since I've been a mayor that we've never seen before. And uh, so it was, but this was highly unusual. Uh, and it was, when it first started, it was extremely challenging to get through those first few months. Um, but we began to level out, things begin to get better. And I, I really thought, you know, we were almost through it. And then the Delta variant hit and we went through it again. And then we thought that we were through it. And then the Omicron has hit us. And uh, it has, you know, so we've seen three waves and uh, it's, it's been, uh, let's just say challenging, and, uh, but we're, we're getting there. Well, getting here, there. here we are, depending on how, I guess, one counts in our third or fourth, fourth surge or wave. And the city is again saying, look, if you get fully immunized in this time period, we'll give you a hundred dollars. Um, how does this work? Well, you you fill out the forms and you go down and you get your uh, vaccination. You show us that you've been vaccinated, fill out the forms, and and then you apply. And then we look through to see who has truly been vaccinated. And then if if, if there's verification there, then you get $100. And it's a pretty simple system. We had this uh, once before, and then the numbers got low enough. We felt like we could end it in October. And then the numbers now have increased to such a point that we're bringing it back again. And so here we are. Are you are you hearing from people that perhaps were vaccine reluctant that are now this is enough to put them over, you know, the hump to say, let's let's get vaccinated against the virus? Well, I think in the last numbers that we've got, we've had and it's been less than a week and we've had over 50 people right now so far. Uh, And the first round that we did, we had over 1,600 people. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, our funding is, comes from the American Rescue Plan. And uh, so we set aside $400,000. We use, I've got my numbers here, we used $163,000 of that. We have $163,100. We got $236,900 left. And so I went back to the council and I said, let's just pick up where we left off and continue on. And I feel like, Kyle, you know, for every person that gets fully vaccinated, then that protects X amount of people. 
And so we want to encourage that. And um, so far it's been working. We, we're seeing, you know, over 50 people in, uh, in less than a week. So, you know, that's that many more people that have been vaccinated and they protect themselves and other people. And the, the gap is long enough. I mean, it starts in January. It goes through mid-March that someone yes. can go through this process in yes. that time. Yes. Yes. And then and, and it's like everything else. We react after that to see if we want to continue on or if, if we think that the numbers are low enough that we can discontinue. It's just a matter. You know, I wish I could give you concrete plans and answers because this thing changes every day. So you're constantly moving and changing with it. It's not just, well, it's going to end at a certain date or we, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, so we, we're constantly adjusting to. I think to, I've asked you this question with other matters, but I'm just curious, have you had conversations with other mayors around the country about what, how they're handling this or what it's been like for them? And, and uh, with mayors around the United States, Yes, we've had some discussions on the, the pandemic and how they're reacting across the country to it. And, uh, and of course, there's, you know, every city's different. Every mayor's different. Uh, right now, this is what we're doing. Uh, you know, we have uh, brought back the mask mandate again. Uh, so that will continue and uh, until the numbers get low enough to where we feel comfortable. And I'm taking advice from the City Board of Health and listening to them. Uh, they're, the, they're the experts in the field, so uh, they've given me some really good advice. Well, I'm just going to say this right now. Everybody needs to get, everybody please go out and get vaccinated, get your booster shot, protect yourselves and other people. And this way we'll get rid of this, uh, this pandemic. Fayetteville Mayor Lionel Jordan speaking with us yesterday over Zoom. Again, while the mayor says he considers a full vaccination to include a booster, an opinion shared by others, including Arkansas's Secretary of Health, Dr. Jose Romero, the city's vaccine initiative requirements are either the second dose of Moderna or Pfizer vaccines or the single shot of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. You can find out all of the details regarding the Fayetteville vaccine incentive by looking for the links at fayettevillear.gov. Also, we have a direct link you can use at ozarksatlarge.com. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, Northwest Arkansas Retirement Community, catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Offering a variety of activities, living options, plus outdoor spaces, including access to city trails. ButterfieldTrailVillage.org for more information. This is Ozarks at Large. We are ushering out January soon to help us. Hallelujah. <laughs> to help us survey that last weekend and what we can do to send out January. Here's Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome back, Becca. I know what we can do. We can get a steel-toed boot <laughs> and kick that sucker out of here. I would share your enthusiasm, except... February is usually, you know, just as dark and dismal as January. I don't want to wish my life away, but I'm kind of, you know, peaking toward March. Spring sounds good, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yep. Okay, if you don't do anything else this weekend and you can get tickets, take yourself to the Walton Art Center tomorrow to see Digging Up Arkansas. I love this show. I saw it. You know, when they first put it together, the cast is different now, but it's such a fun show. 
It is. It was written for kids, but particularly if you didn't grow up in Arkansas, this is all of Arkansas history in like 50 minutes. And it's so much fun. And you'll learn things you had no idea about. The premise is that workers for the WPA are supposed to be going to Little Rock to make a presentation to FDR. And their railroad car crashes or gets rattled around somehow. So all of their presentation gets jumbled up. And they sort it in front of you and explain it. The good and the bad. Yep. In fact, they've updated it this year, not to change history, but to make sure, like, there's one place where they're talking about viewpoints on something, and instead of showing that viewpoint from the white settler, they're showing that viewpoint from the indigenous person. So some things like that that are culturally aware. Right. This happens at 2 and 4 tomorrow at the Walton Art Center Star Theater. Tickets are 10 and $15. dollars 443-5600 or org. Everyone two and older will be asked to wear a mask. Okay. And Star Theater is not that big, so, you know. Right. Now I'm going to ask you to leave your comfort zone. Okay. And go see a play that's happening in a residence hall on the University of Arkansas campus in Fayetteville. And this is about a very serious subject, if it's the one you kind of mentioned last week. It is. It is called Mental, and it's a student's script about all the various kinds of mental illness. And as somebody who has struggled with depression my whole life, it is the single best description of what depression's like I have ever seen. It's really a very powerful script. And it's in a residence hall, this production. A Dohi Hall? Uh, yeah. That's one I don't know. Okay, well, let me tell you something. Uh, a Dohi Hall? Becca, that ain't like the residence halls we knew in college. <laughs> I mean, they've got... Th- I bet it's not. They have 3D printers. They have rooms where you can practice on a Steinway. I mean, it's 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 a wonderful facility. I went there when they opened it a few years ago. So if they're doing it there, it's in a it's in more than just the cinder block room that people our age, age may equate <laughs> with residence halls. Oh, you've got cinder blocks? We just got straw and mud. <laughs> The show's at 7 o'clock tonight, 7 o'clock tomorrow night, and again February 4th through 6th. It's free, but they're going to be having a food drive at the door. Proof of vaccination or negative COVID test. Exactly. And a mask, I assume. Uh, Yes, uh, mask, university buildings, mask required. And you can read more about it at nwadg.com slash what's up. It's really a super cool show and then there's a it's a small world moment there's a country singer named mike ryan Mm -hmm. who's coming to perform at george's okay he's from fort worth but he has an interesting connection to northwest arkansas He has a new single out called Jacket On, and the fiddler on it Uh just happens to be Janae Fleener. Three-time 
three-time reigning CMA Musician of the Year and Springdale native. At 9 o'clock tonight, and tickets start at $15. Shows for 18 and up. And I don't think you'll see today, but you might hear some fiddle that sounds like her. Plenty to do. Plenty to do this weekend and into February. Oh, yeah. It just... It hasn't slowed down. Remember when it used to slow down in January? Yeah, that's... And, I mean, it's not slowing down in January, and we're in the middle of a pandemic, so... Wow. And we're coming up on a show called Something Rotten at Arkansas Public Theater in February. And then in March, there's a little show coming to the Walton Arts Center we're probably going to talk about. And that is... Hamilton. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. It's here for two <laughs> weeks, too. I can't wait. It's exciting. Becca Martin-Brown, we will talk again in February. She is the Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thanks, Becca. Thanks, Kyle. This is Ozarks at Large. I am joined via Zoom by Rhonda Dillard, our underwriting director at KUAF. Happy Friday, Rhonda. Happy Friday, Kyle. We're going to make someone very happy this Friday. Someone's going to win tickets to see Fran Lebowitz at the Walton Arts Center. Uh, very, very true. Uh, it's going to be an exciting show. And to top it all off, a little on seeing Fran Lebowitz, it's moderated by <laughs> KUF's very young Kyle Kellams. I am, so that's exciting. It is exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I am guessing that our winner today was more likely to enter the contest because it's friend Lebowitz. <laughs> you know, just between you and I, I've been calling it the Fran and Kyle show to everyone who will listen. So there you have it. <laughs> All right. Well, that it's a week from tonight. <laughs> it is. I'd be on February the 4th, of course, next Friday evening. Uh, you know, if you know anything about Fran Lebowitz or you may have seen her on, um, you know, CBS Sunday Morning or many different media outlets, she's just cool. Yeah. To me, she is just cool. She's got that little sneer about her. Great sense and, of humor. Uh, oh, I, I, I think she's just, uh, you know, kind of a cultural icon to me. Yeah, and that Netflix show that she does with Martin Scorsese has really sort of taken her to another level in the last year or so. And the lucky winner is uh, Stephen Dean of Fayetteville. Stephen, thank you so much. And thanks for all the entries. We had well over 100. We had almost 150 entries to this. And uh, Stephen, you are the winner. All right. Rhonda Dillard, KUAF Underwriting Director. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Kyle. You too. Bye-bye. Dr. Karee Banton, director of the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas and host of the podcast Undisciplined, along with KUAF Public Radio, presents a series of four live podcast recordings in celebration of Black History Month. Each event will include panelists from across Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley on unique topics. These live Undisciplined episodes will provide a platform for the celebration of African-American successes and a place for honest discussion about the obstacles still in front of African-Americans in the fight for social justice in business, religion, the media, politics, and more. 
find out more information about when and where these live recordings are happening, go to KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large, and with me via Zoom is Courtney Lanning. Courtney, welcome back to Ozarks at Large. Hi, thanks for having me. We have you here to review movies. And again, we've said this the past few weeks, but this January at um, brick-and-mortar theaters has been incredibly quiet. I think there's been one major movie release. That was the Scream sequel. And since then, major movies are just not coming out in theaters. Right. January is already a pretty sparse time for the theaters, but, you know, uh, with the pandemic going on and Omicron numbers being what they are, you know, movie studios are, are skittish to leave their stuff in theaters. So it's been a bunch of smaller releases, which is fine. Sure. For people who are skittish from leaving home, that's okay. There have been new movies every week. We've got a new one streaming this week, which is the latest in the Ice Age franchise. Yes. This one is called The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Buck Wild is a character that has been in previous Ice Age movies. Yes. Um, So this is, like I said, the, the sixth entry in this franchise, which honestly should not have been a franchise. There was one good movie back in 2002, and they have just been making these cash grabs ever since. Uh, but, you know, you remember the the original Ice Age, as of this year, is just one year shy of being able to drink. <laughs> wow. And I, you know what? I, it's been a while, probably 20 years since I saw it, but I enjoyed it. it. It seemed like it had a good spirit about it. Right. It was a really cute tale. You had uh, Ray Romano, playing a woolly mammoth and he had a, a saber tooth tiger and then a, a sloth and the three of them trying to return a, a lost human baby to its, its tribe. I mean, it's is essentially a lot of three men and a baby vibes. <laughs> three mammals and a baby, perhaps. It's three um, mammals and a baby. All right. So no Ray Romano, I suppose this time, do we recognize any voices? Yeah. In fact, there's really one voice that does a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, and it's Simon Pegg, who oh. people will remember from hits like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. And if they watch the newer Star Trek movies, of course, he was the uh, the infamous Enterprise mechanic. Right. And and he pops up so many different places. Even if you don't know the name Simon Pegg, you'd recognize his face. But, of course, his face is not in this animated movie. Of course. You know, you recognize him from tons of stuff, including, you know, Mission Impossible. and right. And, and you say he does the heavy lifting here? He really does. So um, Simon Pegg plays the central role of Buck Wild. He's a, a one-eyed weasel who lives in a, an age of, well, an ice age. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he runs around with a knife attached to his belt and he flies with a dinosaur and he, you know, gets into all, all sorts of antics. Um. Simon Pegg could have really phoned in the performance for this check. You would expect that in a sixth entry of a movie franchise, but he doesn't, you know, he, he commits, um, he, he brings a lot of laughs and, and he really, really does most of the heavy lifting in this movie. All right. Sixth entry in an animated franchise available streaming only. My bar is going to be low. Do you think it meets? And I'm assuming this is directly aimed at the younger set. So Given those parameters, how does it succeed? You know, what I'll say is the film, surprisingly, isn't an abomination. Usually, you know, six entry in a franchise, it goes straight to streaming, like you said. 
this could have been awful. Yeah. We have so many examples of movies that go straight to streaming, which is the modern day equivalent of straight to VHS or straight to DVD. Um, and so many of them are, are not great movies. Um, but this one is, you know, it's not awful. It's short. They keep the pace moving forward. And you actually get a surprising laugh or two now and again. I, I'm just imagining the movie poster for this movie that says, in quotes, you know, is not an abomination, <laughs> Courtney Lanning. <laughs> um, what about the animation? I always ask that with animated movies. Is it pretty? Is it good? You know, I'm not going to lie, Kyle. Uh, when Disney bought Fox and got the Ice Age franchise as a result, um, it shut down the animation studio that had previously made the last five films. That studio was called uh, Blue Sky Studios. Right. And Disney shut them down uh, and moved a lot of their animators over into, I guess, their own ranks at Disney and Pixar and whatnot. And they, the new studio that did the animation for this Ice Age movie is called Bardell Entertainment. Uh, and if you don't know the name, they do a lot of mostly TV entries. One of their biggest uh, shows is Teen Titans Go. Okay. Which, you know, is, is a completely different art style. Uh, but it's just, it's an obvious step down from the previous movies. Uh, the backgrounds, the motion. Sometimes this movie is, is really just ugly as sin. Ooh, Okay. <laughs> It's, it's a clear step down in quality. I'll say that. And it is streaming on Disney Plus, correct? It is streaming on Disney Plus, yes. All right. Full review in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette Friday edition. All right. What do you think we will talk about next week? So next week, I would like to review uh, a new sci-fi post-apocalyptic movie called Last Survivors. Post-apocalyptic. I'm watching Station Eleven on HBO right now, and I'm not sure I'm still in the right frame of mind to watch post-apocalypse material, but I am eager to hear your review next week. I guess we'll see how it goes. All right. <laughs> Courtney Lanning, as always, thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Kyle. After 9-11, Wajahat Ali went from being a regular college student to practically a full-time organizer on behalf of his faith. If you're thrust in that spotlight, you have to be an expert on all things Muslim and Islam, and Quran, Sharia, Prophet Muhammad, Hakim Olajuwon, like, you know, Bollywood, Hamas, Hamas, like everything. Wajahat Ali, on his new memoir, Go Back to Where You Came From. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. It's been a minute with Sam Sanders tomorrow morning at 10 on KUAF. You can listen to KUAF at any time by just asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. As we get closer to exiting this first month of 2022, we couldn't be more excited at KUAF to tell you about what we're working on, what we're going to bring you as the year further unfurls. Next month, Dr. Karee Banton, the host of our Undisciplined podcast, created in collaboration with the University of Arkansas Department of African and African American Studies, is working with us to host four live recordings of that podcast as part of our Observation of Black History Month. The recordings, each dedicated to a specific issue with a panel of community members and experts, will be conducted in four different cities in our listening area, Fort Smith, Rogers, Springdale, and Fayetteville. We're going to continue our series, The Lunch Hour, that brings musical artists and local business leaders together for intimate concerts inside the Carver Center for Public Radio Lobby. 2022, we'll have more from Leo Ribe, Sound Perimeter, and the podcast Reflections, all exploring the deep role music can have in our lives, from healing to promoting social justice. 
And that is just the beginning for 2022. We're working with creators and experts in many different fields, from art to mental health to cryptocurrency, to bring you exciting, innovative, and important podcasts, segments, and shows. For example, the show Hip Hop Hello, currently heard on Bentonville Community Radio, will soon be joining our HD3 lineup as well. The weekly show celebrates hip-hop and the influence it's had on people in northwest Arkansas and beyond. Here's an excerpt from the most recent edition of Hip Hop Hello. This is your host, DJ Cleasy. You're talking also with Colin Strickland, one of the best gravel racing bicycle competitors out there. He's joining us from outside Austin, Texas. He's coming up to Bentonville this week in order to enjoy uh, this upcoming weekend CX Worlds, the Cyclocross Championships in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which are going down January 28th to the 30th. And we're going through five tracks that have had some kind of influence on Colin one way or another. Um, before we get into that one, tell us a little bit about gravel racing again. What, how, how could folks who are interested in getting into gravel, um, you know, dip a toe and, and, and try it out? What would you recommend? Well, gravel racing is, or gravel riding, we'll just start there, is um, it's one of the events that has really kind of taken hold in the U.S. of late because of its inclusive and community-oriented nature and structure. Um, it's a, it's to, to get into it would be to, you know, well, find yourself a gravel bike, uh, first of all, because you do need a little bit larger tires to handle the rougher terrain in order to not, you know, not puncture and not just have a bunch of flats if you head out on a road bike. So um, beyond that, uh, it's a great way to not only explore, you know, more rural roads. Um, without further ado, you know, let's jump into your second track of the five that you wanted to share with us tonight. Uh, what do you got there? All right. Track number two, I'm going to go with, I got five on it. Yeah. Classic. Um, what is it about this Looney's classic that you, uh, that you like? Uh, not only is, uh, is it just kind of like this eerie, smooth, like late night vibe. It just, you know, it's, it's the kind of song that you listen to when you're, when I would, I used to listen, uh, I would roll this track when I was, uh, more of like young punk, you know, <laughs> it would, it would always kind of be an easy way to kind of put on a, you know, set, give yourself a, a vibe maybe over your head. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was a fun one. You know, when my, my wife and I celebrated uh, five years of marriage in December and I, I rewrote the words to, I got five on it to be in no. celebration of our anniversary. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, brother. All right, let's jump into it. This is the loonies with I got five on it recommended by Colin Strickland. Keep it locked. Creep on in, on in, on in. Kinda broke this evening, y'all, so all I got is five. Give me some brew and I might just chill But I'm the type that likes to light another joint like Cypress Hill I still do these spit loogies when I puff on it I got some bucks on it, but it ain't enough on it Go get the S-T-I-D-E-S Nevertheless, I'm hella fresh Rolling joints like a cigarette So pass it across the table like ping pong I'm gone, beating my chest like King Kong And some wrap my lips around the phony And when it comes to getting another stogie Fools all kick in like Shinobi Know me ain't my homie too Hip Hop Hello, heard every Tuesday night from 6 to 8 on KOBV in Benville, community radio for that city, hosted 
by DJ Cleasy. The program will soon be added to our KUAF3 schedule as well, so stay tuned. And we'll keep telling you about the other great programs, podcasts, segments, ideas that we're unveiling as 2022 continues. And as always, thank you for letting us know what you're interested in hearing on all of our stations and at our website, and for your continued time, attention, and support. So, you're into music. So is KUAF. If you like Cannonball Adderley or Cassandra Wilson, tune in this Saturday at 10 It's the music of Joanna Newsom. This week on the KUAF Vinyl Hour. Hey folks, Western Red here, host of If That Ain't Country. Now heard every Saturday night on KUAF. Hi, my name is Paul, your host for the Generic Blues Show, where local and international artists get showcased for over 22 years. I hope you can join me this Saturday evening for the Pick and Post from 7 to 9 p.m. On KUAF 91. And those are just the local music programs on KUAF. The Pick and Post, The Generic Blues Show, If That Ain't Country, The Vinyl Hour, Shades of Jazz. Programs that have been a part of KUAF ever since it was KUAF. For our weekend lineup of music programs, go to KUAF.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Springdale. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF, your public radio station for more than 36 years. Today's show produced by Timothy Dennis. Contributors included Matthew Moore, Daniel Carruth, Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics, Becca Martin-Brown, the features editor at Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Courtney Lanning. Our thanks to Rhonda Dillard, KUAF's membership director, for helping us out with the Fran Lebowitz ticket giveaway. Thank you for being with us this week. Additional content today provided by the new staff at KUAR Public Radio in Little Rock in Central Arkansas. Additional show prep today from Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith. We will return for daily editions on Monday at noon, but we also have our weekend show that Sunday morning at 9. And if you miss any of our daily shows, you can always ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large, or you could go to ozarksatlarge.com and find past full episodes of our show. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. Have a great weekend.